everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. This is Chuck Smith, and I'm here to bring you the weekend warm-up BFW show where we hit all the latest and greatest news of the week. Of course, Bayern Munich never leaves a dull moment, and they provided quite a bit of action this week. You can go all the way back to the Bundesliga match last weekend that left everyone a little disappointed. That uninspired 1-1 draw with Bayer Leverkusen. Uh, and that was quickly followed up, though, by a match that gave everyone some hope. For as uninspired as Bayern Munich was last weekend against Leverkusen, they were hyped up and energetic and just looked great against Red Bull Salzburg in the Champions League on Tuesday. Of course, that was a 7-1 victory. Now the Bavarians will look forward to this weekend's matchup against Hoffenheim. If you wanted a little bit more of a breakdown on that, you could hit our preview show, which is posted on our website. But the intent of this show is to hit the news and we will do so and with our new format we have the five things that we learned this week and the biggest one that that we saw and the biggest thing that i learned this week is plan a for Bayern munich's transfer strategy this summer has failed yep that's right andreas christensen the chelsea center back was rumored to be Bayern munich's plan a it's top acquisition christensen was the player that Bayern munich wanted the most out of the summer transfer window Unfortunately for Bayern Munich, FC Barcelona also wanted Christensen and was willing to meet his salary demands. And if you're a Bayern Munich fan, you have to be a little bit disappointed, regardless of how you feel about Christensen. If he was the player that Bayern Munich Munich targeted as its top option, as its plan A, and they couldn't buck up enough to get him, it tells you that things aren't so great financially. Now, of course, we know that every club is battling the pandemic. Bundesliga clubs especially have been hit hard because they depend so much on attendance figures and money that they have to uh, generate so much revenue that way. They don't have as good of television marketing deals as some other top leagues. So losing all of that revenue has put clubs like Bayern Munich in a bit of a bind in trying to keep up with other big clubs on the transfer market. And now we know that Christensen wanted a little bit more money than Bayern Munich was willing to offer. So In the books, Christensen is looking like he will go to FC Barcelona and Bayern Munich will have to go out and shop around and try and find someone else. Yep, it's got to be a little disappointing just in terms of the rationale for why Christensen is not going to sign with Bayern Munich, regardless of how you felt about him, whether you think he's a good player or adequate or not good, it doesn't really matter. If, If a player is designated as someone's plan A and then they can't go out and get him because of money, And we're not talking about some astronomical amount of money. It's disappointing and alerting and alarming. And I think that the fan base is going to have to keep an eye on things because this could be a sign of things to come in terms of Bayern not being able to match up financially with some other big clubs. When you've already lost Nicholas Sula to Borussia Dortmund, I felt like it was key to go out and identify a player and get that player. So the fact that Byron has failed on that, it's probably not good. So that will lead us right into the second thing we learned this week. And that is plan B options are probably not going to, they're not going to excite Byron fans all that much. Uh, We have Torino's Gleison Bremer, and we also have Borussia Mönchengladbach's Matthias Ginter. Both players have their qualities it's very arguable that either could come in and fill the shoes of Sula. It's, it's not good. So Ginter has been very divisive among the fan base. Some people like his versatility. Some people like his ability uh, to 
be able to blend in in the system of Julian Nagelsmann that they think Ginter would be a fit there. Uh, you know, from my perspective, I think Ginter is free, so it might be worth a flyer on him. And by all accounts, he probably won't cost you that much in terms of salary, but it's not going to be a move that excites much of the fan base. So if Byron was looking to make a splash, Ginter is probably not it. As for Bremer, that's another one. Uh, He, on the other hand, would command up to somewhere up to a 30 30 million euro to 40 million euro transfer fee. So in my mind, if you can't buck up and pay for Christensen, then there is no way you're going to pay a transfer fee for a player like Bremer who honestly probably is not a starter at the club next season. Uh, Even if uh, Nagelsmann shifts to a back three, like we all expect, I still think Bremer would only be the club's fourth option at center back. So that's, it's probably not good. So I would pass on Bremer. Not sure what I would do on Ginter, but all the while I'm, I'm, (laughs) I guess starting to get a little more comfortable with the idea that the back three next season is going to be Luca Hernandez, Dio Upamakano, and Benjamin Pavar. And it's kind of weird because Upamakano and his roller coaster ride of a season, um, he has not instilled much confidence to me that he is capable of handling the bright lights of Bayern Munich, performing on the big stage. It's not that he doesn't have talent, he just might need a little more seasoning, a little more time. And, you know, this could be an area where Bayern Munich could go out and make a panic by this summer and then still have a bit of an issue in filling out a back three uh, with quality center backs. And, you know, the, the loss of Sula, I don't think can be really um, oversold. It's, it's massive. It's massive. And I don't know that there's an easy solution at this point, considering the financial obstacles that Bayern Munich is battling. So if the names, Gleison Bremer and Matthias Ginter do not excite you. I don't know what to tell you because it looks like that might be the way that Byron leans unless they have some kind of change of heart and look to bring Chris Richards back. Although we did see this week that Richards is allegedly up for sale for 10 million, 15 million euro. Uh, this whole situation with the center backs could go a million different ways. Byron Munich is going to have to sort this out. The only wild card I can think of at this point is given all of the mess going on with Chelsea right now, Antonio Rudiger could suddenly shift his line of thinking to come back to Germany. Don't know if that would happen. He had been linked to Real Madrid and PSG previously. Of course, we all know he wanted to go back to Chelsea, but I don't know logistically if that's going to be possible. So there is a lot in motion. It could kick Rudiger back toward Bayern Munich. We don't know, but that is something to keep an eye on. So our first two things that we learned this week were all center back related and they could all go a million different ways. The bottom line is if you're a Bayern Munich fan, you should definitely be on edge a little bit about the financial capabilities of the club if they cannot go out and get the players they want when they're not asking for exorbitant salaries. So that's definitely something that we should keep an eye on. The third thing we learned this week is that is actually very related to the first two and that the budget and squad planning for next season is already causing headaches internally at Bayern Munich. And yes, that was a report that we saw primary among the people with the headaches, uh, Julian Nagelsmann, because Nagelsmann is looking to roll out a new formation. And to do this, he needs a couple of things. Most likely needs four starting quality center backs. 
to run a back three, he's going to have to anticipate that at least one or two games per month, there's going to be somebody that's not quite feeling 100%. And he should have a good player that is able to rotate in. And just over the, the course of the season, the natural wear and tear that players pick up, it's going to be something that he's going to have to count to account for, and he's going to need for quality center backs. Right now, Tangai Nianzu does not look like he's close to being an option to be reliable enough to be part of that mix. In fact, if, if I was Bayern Munich, I'd be looking to loan him out because every time the kid goes out on the field, it just looks like he needs more seasoning. It looks like he needs more experience. And I don't know that in the Bundesliga and the Champions League, I don't think those are the stages you, you, you want to give, you want to put him on just yet. So in this respect, I think that Bayern Munich is going to have to really put their heads together. The coaching staff and the front office, they're all going to have to get together and they're going to have to figure it out. Because this formation that Nagelsmann wants to run is going to require that center back. It's going to require a right wing back. And Bayern Munich is going to have to figure out what it wants to do in terms of filling those positions. How much money it has, not just to pay those players, but account for any transfer fees. So this is really, it's a very interesting time at Bayern Munich. We've seen just a half a dozen names linked to Byron in terms of right wing backs. And at this stage, it's impossible to know exactly what the club is thinking or how realistic any of those names are. So, you know, we're not going to go down the list and say who we like, who we don't, who we want. It doesn't matter at this point, because until we get an idea of what the club's finances look like, how much they might have available to spend this summer, who they might sell from within the club to generate some revenue, All of those things are going to factor into it. But the one thing that we do know is that Bayern Munich is going to have to go out and get a center back. They're going to have to go out and get a right wing back. They're going to have to get players to help fill out this formation. And that's what's kind of led me to have this. It's it's a theory, but it might be something to keep an eye on that Serge Gnabry's future might not be so cemented at Bayern Munich and it has nothing to do with his ability listen nobody's going to sit here and criticize Gnabry is he inconsistent sure but he's absolutely a player that you want on your roster because he's that talented he's that good and he's overall that productive right but how many more 15 million euro plus players can Bayern Munich have on the roster and how many of them can they have at those positions that are currently filled by players like Thomas Muller, Leroy Sané, uh, Kingsley Coman, it's just a lot. And when you factor in that Bayern Munich next year will also have Paul Vonner and Gabriel Vidovich, both on the first team roster. If you want to develop those young kids, you're going to have to open them up for some playing time now, or you're going to end up in a situation like you have with Tangai Nianzu where he's mired on the bench, can't get in. And when he does get in, he just looks very raw, very uh, much in need of more experience. So, uh, the squad planning and how the team's budget works within that Byron's going to need to sort that out, but it's just, uh, it's just fascinating because you still have to decide whether you're going to sign Gnabry or not. You're going to have to decide whether you can afford to re-sign players like Thomas Muller, Robert Lewandowski, and Manuel Neuer. Of course, we know that those three players deserve contract extensions, but does Bayern Munich have the financial wherewithal to make it happen? I think so. I think most people would say Byron thinks so. But then can it turn around and go out and get those pieces that it needs? Can it re- also re-sign Canabry? Can they also go out and get another center back? Can they get another wing back? It's, it's just a situation where 
I can see why there's so much Advil needed on Sabinerstrasse right now. Oh, the fourth thing that we learned this week is that Robert Lewandowski's lack of contract talks has really spiked interest in the Polish hitman. Uh, there are many clubs looking at Lewandowski and saying, like, we might have a chance to actually go out and get him. And Manchester United is among them. Manchester United is among them. We have seen that FC Barcelona, Real Madrid, PSG, Liverpool, they've all kind of been linked to Lewandowski. But right now, I think more than ever, these clubs are sensing there might be some blood in the water. And it's very curious to me as to why there hasn't been an initial discussion as of yet between Lewandowski and the club. Sure, I'm sure both parties want to get something done. I'm sure both parties are confident that something will get done. But why wait so long? And why not at least have an initial conversation? That's something that I think that Bayern Munich is really going to have to examine. They're going to have to look at cases like Lewandowski and Muller and Neuer and say, how can we get these deals done? And how can we get these players to not just agree to deals, but hang in there until we're ready financially to make this happen? So Lewandowski, if he doesn't get something done, it's just going to weigh on the fan base. It's certainly going to weigh on him. And his agent, Pini Zahavi, is not going to sit around and just wait for Bayern Munich to contact him. He's going to go out and plant these stories in the media. He's going to draw interest in his client. And it's really, really just something that you don't want to go down this road with. We saw in 2018 how it all played out and the months and months of rumors and back and forth. And it just became uh, very, how can I say this? Very combative at times between Lewandowski and the media, Lewandowski and the club, the club and the media. It just was not a good environment for anyone. And hopefully it doesn't go down that road. So Lewandowski, in my mind, should be resigned. But the club has some difficult decisions to make. Certainly, if the club is struggling with finances, a move for someone like Erling Haaland would not work. But when you hear other numbers for other players, especially strikers at this point, what they might cost, I think you really have to look long and hard at Lewandowski and how you can get a deal done. And one other, I guess, side note to Lewandowski is we did see this debate among some English and Scottish pundits who were debating uh, Robert Lewandowski versus Erling Haaland versus Harry Kane. So I figure I might as well chime in quickly with how I feel on that. Of course, I would put Lewandowski atop that list. If you just want to look at physical traits, Erling Haaland has everything you need in a, in a player physically. He's big. He's strong. He is extremely fast. He's the best natural athlete of the three players. His game is not quite as refined as Robert Lewandowski's at this point. But Haaland is someone for the future I think most clubs would like to invest in. Harry Kane has so many good qualities and obviously can score any which way, has good vision, is good in the buildup, almost plays like a 10 at times, but maybe is not quite as productive as someone like Lewandowski or even Holland when he's healthy. As for, Le- as for Lewandowski, you know how I feel about him. He is the best player in the world right now. I think he is the, somehow one of the most underrated players too, because Pundits and fans from other leagues, they just don't appreciate the quality and what he brings. He's not just some tap-in merchant, and he's not just some penalty merchant. He is someone that goes out, he creates offense, he's effective in the buildup, his hold-up play is great, he's got good vision, great passing. This is a guy who impacts the game in so many ways. If I was going to rank those three players and how I would take them today, who I would take today, Lewandowski would be one, Holland would be two, Kane would be three. And that's not necessarily a knock on Kane, 
but the potential of Holland and what he brings to the table when he's healthy to me is more valuable than what Harry Kane brings. And again, not a knock on Kane. He's a great player in his own right. And he brings a lot to the table, but as far as a nine goes, I would look at Lewandowski and then Holland. Speaking of strikers, and the last thing that we learned this week is not only does Bayern Munich link to players like Adam Holozic and S- Sasha Kalajic, Bayern Munich is, is basically in the background of this whole Lewandowski saga, trying to sort out what the future is behind him. And at one point we thought Joshua Xerxes or Fita Arp would be the players that Byron would be looking toward, but Kalajic and Holozic are two players that right now Byron is, has been linked to. Kalajic is a player for Stuttgart who right now, if Byron wanted him, the rumors are it would cost about 30 million. Again, there's no shot if Byron's not going to pay a salary for Christensen that hovers around 11 million euro per season, that they're going to go out and get a striker like Kalajic unless Lewandowski leaves. So right now I would not expect anything to come from either of those rumors with Kalajic or Helozic. I just don't think there's much to them. It's not that Byron isn't interested, but how much are they going to spend? Do they even have the budget to do something? We're going to continue to hear rumors linking Byron to strikers until something happens with Lewandowski. But even at that point, Bayern will have to take a look internally, see what's on campus. Of course, you have Gabriel Vidovic, who is a bit of a secondary striker, but can also play as a center forward. You have Lucas Capato on, on campus. You have a, a bunch of options that, I mean, it just, it's a matter of where Bayern projects these players, uh, where Bayern can, make, can view them as being impactful in the future if they even have a future with the first team. So not only is Bayern going to have to analyze some of those prospects on campus, they're going to have to look at players like Xerxes and Arp and see what they bring to the table if they even have a future. As you know, I've been on the hashtag Arp train from the beginning, but the poor guy has not had any luck. Uh, I think once he was demoted from the first team, which was even curious back in the day, I think that crushed his confidence. It became a matter of things being too much too soon, and he's never recovered, quite frankly. And I'm sure there would be people that would uh, criticize his mentality for that um you know it's one of those things that when you get to somewhere you might consider a dream destination you think you've made the first team and you can be impactful and then you don't uh i'm sure that weighed on him heavily and as for xerxes he is a player who came out and he was great in his first appearances really tailed off at that point again a player who probably suffered with about a uh, having poor confidence when he was at Bayern Munich seems to have gotten his act together at Anderlecht. Uh, if if I'm Bayern Munich, I, I'm probably more inclined to sell Xerxes at this point because of his value. As far as ARP goes, it's going to be very difficult for Bayern to do anything with him. I don't think there'll be many buyers on the market, and I'm not sure that he'll be uh, effective if coming back to Sabiner Strasse. I think that ship has sailed for him. Uh, so Bayern has some internal things to work out doesn't look like there would be much help from those loanies that are out there. But as the future goes, Byron is going to have to determine what life looks like after Robert Lewandowski and what they can do to ensure that there is no gap once Lewandowski either retires or moves on. Hopefully we don't have to deal with either of those things for quite a while, but the way things are going, you never know. It is a crazy world in so many ways. 
And Lewandowski's future is something that is yet to be determined. So hopefully Bayern Munich can get all of that sorted, but we will be here to cover all of those stories as they happen. And that will wrap it up this week. I I haven't on an entertainment watch really gotten into anything. As I stated last week, I'm watching The Walking Dead to just kill that thing off and it's it's not going well. It's uh, really the storyline quite frankly, it's not good. So uh, I, I probably should have quit it a long time ago, but I have not. I am looking forward, as I've said before, to Better Call Saul and also to the new Disney Plus Obi-Wan Kenobi series, which I saw the trailer for and got extremely pumped up for. So that'll be something I'll definitely be looking at in the future when it's released. But as of now, man, I am just, uh, I am not finding much to stream or watch. So that's where I'm at. As always, thanks for listening. You can get me at the Barrel Blog. You can get the site at Bavarian FB Works. You can get Tom at Tommy Adam seventy one. You can get I Need No Name at BFWINNN. You can get Jake at Jefferson Fenner, and you can always get Schnitzel and Samron on the site. They of course do not have Twitter because they are smart. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the match. This one should be a fun one between Byron and Hoffenheim. Uh, it should be very interesting to see how Byron responds. Hopefully there won't be any hangover after that big Champions League victory. Enjoy your weekend, and we will see you next time.